You're listening to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks and co-host Angelia Savage. We seek to help you relate well so you can live well in all aspects of your life. Welcome to the show that will change your life for the rest of your life. This is Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks and I'm your co-host Angelia Savage and this is a show that's going to help you connect and communicate better with everyone around you because when we learn to communicate better with one another, we stand in our power and we ultimately become a better spouse, a better parent, a better employee or employer and basically we just become better human beings, the one that God intended us to be. And this is why Relate Well was created by Dr. Rick Marks himself. He has a true passion to continually help others become the best version of themselves when relating to each other. Also known as how we know you, Dr. Rick, how are you? I'm relaxed. Relaxed. I like relaxed. I'm relaxed, yeah. After I say all, that a lot. After all your tea and your caffeine, you're relaxed. I am. I love it. Yeah. You <laughs> that, know, I don't that think would it, be my dad. The caffeine doesn't affect me in that way. Oh, I don't it doesn't? Know no, it never has. I think it affects women a little bit more. Caffeine, yeah, it gives us more of the jolt and, you know, the, the caffeine jolt, I think, for 12 and up to 24 hours sometimes. I just drink it because I like unsweet you, iced tea. So. You like it? I like yeah. the sweet tea. I'm a sweet southern tea gal. I love my sweet tea. <laughs> well, right. I'm glad you're relaxed. Well, now I'm going to put you in the hot seat All right. and unrelax you for a minute. Okay. We're going to start with some questions. This is one of my favorite parts, by the way. I know. I think it's everyone's favorite part. Yeah, so do maybe listening for the first time uh angelie gets these questions but i don't get to see them ahead of time so i'm actually answering just really raw right they're hearing it start they're hearing it when i'm hearing it yep absolutely off the cuff you never know what's coming your way and that's why we love it we put you in the hot seat for a second so let's start with the first one from ariel in orlando okay sounds like a princess doesn't it It does princess ariel Huh. Okay. Isn't there a Disney I wonder if she is. Ariel? There's Ariel. There, there's maybe many. it's her. There's maybe so it's... many. It could be. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we're hearing from Disney today. So this says, my sister and I have been estranged for a few years now, mm. and I still haven't met my niece that supposedly looks just like me and not my sister. I'm blonde. My niece is blonde. My sister is dark brunette. She recently flew my dad into Orlando to go to Disney, and she flew in with her family separately. The only reason I know this is because my mom mentioned it to me. So I texted my dad to try to see him, but he said he couldn't. It wouldn't be right since he was with my sister. I feel so angry at my sister, but I think I may be angrier with my dad for not standing up to my sister. He hasn't stood up his entire life. Is there anything that I can say or do to change this? Or is it just simply something I have to learn to accept? She's not going to like what I'm thinking. No reason to be angry at your father. Your father is respecting the boundaries of that daughter. Just as much as his on the other foot, she would have, Aria would have expected her dad to respect her boundaries. So the father's doing what is expected of him based on the boundaries of that daughter and her family. If the, da- if the father wanted to say, hey, I'm willing to meet you one-on-one outside of this, then that would be something he could have done. But I don't know all the details, so I can't speak to that part. But no reason to be angry at the dad. The issue here isn't the dad. The dad has, has no, 
The dad does not need to be triangulated into the conflict between these two siblings. It's really the two siblings that need to talk. But don't put dad in the middle of that. Dad loves both of you. He needs to love both of you. He also needs to respect both of your wishes. Hmm. That's an interesting answer. I would have thought I would have thought differently. I would have thought probably the same lines as she was thinking. Yeah, I, would want, I would want to see my dad. True. But the dad was flown in by the sister to spend time with their family. That's what he was there for. That was He agreed to do that. But also in that agreement, he also knows there's conflict between the two. He has to respect that daughter's boundaries. Because if he doesn't, he has now conflict with that daughter. He's not a peacemaker. He's respecting each other's boundaries. So he shouldn't be the peacemaker and say, you girls need to no, the stop the is, nonsense and he can I say love that. you both? That's, that's not being a peacemaker. That's just speaking into it. But okay. ultimately, it's them two who have to deal with, deal with it. If those two aren't willing to deal with it or if this one – if Ariel wants to deal with it and the other one doesn't, you're not going to have a relationship. It takes two to make us one to kill it, right? Mm-hmm. In this situation – And three to it, kill it. it you know, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like three. Yeah. And so if, if Ariel's sister doesn't want a relationship with Ariel, there's nothing Ariel can do about that. She'll have to grieve the loss, you see. But the real issue is why did this sister cut off Ariel? What was going on and what can they do to resolve it? That's it. And if, if, if the other if the sister's not willing to do that, then Ariel has to live with this heartache that I've lost my sister and I've lost access to my niece. Hmm. I don't I don't have that. It's a loss. And it happens all over this country. But from the father's standpoint, I would say to say he's actually respecting that daughter's boundaries. Wow. And he needs to. Just mm-hmm. as much if he was with Ariel and Ariel said, You're not you're if you're with us. This is what we're doing. You come or don't come, Dad. And he has to make a decision. If I come here, then I'm 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 agreeing to this. If he doesn't want to agree to that, you see what I mean? Yeah, that's he interesting. Wa- he huh. wants relations with both of them. Okay, I, I. But for him to get triangulated and triangulated, I mean, he he can get caught up in the emotional stuff between the two of them. And next thing you know, uh, Ariel will want Dad on her side, sister will want Dad's on his his side, and that's when it becomes a problem. When they mm-hmm. start trying to build alliances against the other person. Mm-hmm. And so my way of thinking, dad probably made the right decision based on where he's at in the position he's in. What he could have done different in my mind, he could have said, hey, you know, I'm here for them. But I do have some free time uh, on Tuesday at three and six. How about I come meet you somewhere? Mm-hmm. He could have done that. And he would have still respected the sister's boundaries. But the sister can't dictate what dad, or doesn't, dad does or doesn't do on his own time mm-hmm. when he's not with them. Great insight. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that's why we come to you. That's why everybody wants your I said I'm right, answer. but that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> that gives everybody good communication. Clear okay. communication with everyone. Okay. Well, so this one is from Sheila in Beckley, West Virginia. And Sheila says, Dr. Rick, what should be the hardest part of marriage and... What should be the easiest part of marriage? I've never heard such a question. And that one kind of stumps me for a minute here. The the hardest part of marriage? What should be the hardest part? Breaking up. Breaking up? If, if the question what? is... That's not what I was expecting coming our way. What? If, if the question is what should be the hardest part. Okay. The hardest part of any breakup is breaking it off. Okay. That should not be easy. Now, she's asking, what is the hardest part of marriage? 
That's communication. But I'm going by what she wrote, what should be the hardest part. Huh. Okay. What, so if yeah, she's she asking said, what, what should be the hardest part and, and I would what ar- should be the easiest part. The easiest part should be loving each other, communicating well, uh, building the usness and the intimacy and being friends. That should be the easiest part. Wait a minute. You just said communication should be the hardest part. And now you're saying it should be the no, easiest no, I part. Said, no, I said if she said. I said, if she asked what is the hardest part, mm-hmm. in reality, communication is the hardest part. Okay. It should be the easiest part, though. But it's not. No. That's <laughs> why I had to go by what she said. Okay. Rather than what I was hearing. Wait a minute. She said should be. That's why I said that's an interesting question. Because that's like, well, the hardest part should be breaking up, in my mind. You, you should never want that. And it would be very, very difficult for that to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Or loss, Right. Because the hardest part of a marriage should be losing each other. Yeah, losing a spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the easiest part should Gosh, be loving true. you and, and serving you and communicating with you. And all of that should be the easiest part. I and know. I'm only going by the word should be. Mm-hmm. Now, if we ask. Let's say what is then. I'll, there we go. I'll, ask, the, I'll ask another there you question. Go. What is the hardest part? The hardest part is, is communicating with each other, hearing each other, listening to each other, and understanding each other. And it is the predictor for divorce, 90% of the time. It's how you communicate and solve problems. So that is the hardest part. What's the easiest part? It's being selfish. The easiest part is thinking of yourself. Yeah, it's my, wow. that's my answer to it. That's easy to do. I don't think about it, I just do it. Get my knees met, do what I want. Do it my way. You don't tell me what to do. Well, you just need that's to stay alone easy. then. You need to just stay alone. You don't need to be in marriage. So I had the answer. That's why, that's why the question was like, huh, I've not heard that question that way before. Isn't that funny? Some of the simplest questions are the most difficult questions. Yeah. So I thought, well, it should be. <laughs> yeah. And I could think, what should be the hardest? Breaking up. It's like, I just think it in my life. That would be the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see? And it should be. Yeah. The lust should be so great and so, so deep. You would never want that, mm-hmm. which then would imply the easiest part of this thing would be living in such a way. So that is the hardest part. Yeah. So that never happens. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to encounter that hardest part. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's move on to Hope in Fort Myers, Florida. Hope says, "I'm married to a man that I thought would be my partner forever, but mm-hmm. I think I have been lying to myself about something. I know." that he has cheated on his first wife, and that's why she left him. And I thought he would never do that to me or to us, as you put it. We have a great life, a great sex life. So when I saw on his phone that he was communicating with another woman, I questioned him. And I actually admitted that he's not, he actually admitted that he's not cheating But he realized he's addicted to the attention that he gets from other women in his words. He says, I just wanted to see if I still got it. He admitted to getting bartenders phone numbers and talking to other women. I am so angry. I can't think straight. Should I stay or is the writing on the wall that I need to leave him? Hmm. So it sounds like he's addicted to the attention. 
And I saw something like this the other night on one of the shows. There was, it was a show I was watching, and one of the guys was saying he was addicted to the women, just putting everything in his DM, just DMing him all day. He loves the attention. So the vanity just gets the best of him. But yeah. he's married. There's a, in the field of the addiction world, there's what's called sex addiction, but there's also called, called love addiction. Love addiction. Yeah, and some people refer to it as sex and love addiction. Not attention addiction? Uh, no, love addiction, and which would require attention, right? Okay. Um, you know, there's a part of me that says um, this is not attention addiction. It may be for him, but it's sexual. If for him to deny that his flirting and talking does not have a sexual component is denial. It does have a sexual component. If you want addiction, you want attention, go talk to your buddies. But because you're pursuing women only, that is sexual in itself. Oh, I see. Don't we would have a definite sexual undertone as it opposed does to because because it's adoration in any mm-hmm. other way. Okay. Yeah. If you oh you addicted to attention, well then go talk to your buddies. Go go meet a bunch of guys at the golf course. Get your addiction met that way. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's specifically females, and that implies there's something sexual to it. So there is a part of me that says it's probably a form of a sexual addiction. Um, that's why I would say that. Okay, let me stop you right there, uh-huh. and we're going to come. We're going to pick back up on this one because we do have to time out right now. But we'll be right back in a moment. You're listening okay. to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. A healthy, nurtured relationship is key in making your life whole. Yet for most, that perfect relationship is elusive. In relationships for life. Marriage and family counselor and acclaimed speaker, Dr. Rick Marks, offers proven principles and skills for caring and mature relationships. Dr. Rick shares personal experiences from growing up in a broken home and how vulnerability led to healing in his own life. The book is a unique perspective packed with faith-based and clinical insights for making a relationship work. Relationships for Life is for anyone who wants to create and maintain healthy relations in every aspect of life. Available as a digital download in hardback and paperback on Amazon and in the web store at drrickmarks.com. Welcome back to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. And we just left off on a heavy question. And we're all talking about it in the studio right now because it's important. It's important to understand and, uh, I guess, unwind what's really at the root of this. And you're saying it's a love addiction. Or a manifestation of a sexual addiction or a compulsion. You know, to get get away saying, well, it's just an attention addiction, it minimizes it. Is that a cop-out? I think so. Okay. Because I, I, I just had one. Okay. I just had one of a guy who was doing the same thing um, with his wife, and then eventually, over the years, it became sexual. Yeah, you would think but it all, would evolve, Even right? when it's they were dating, just stay in that. he was flirty, you know, talking to women, and did it through their marriage. And she didn't like it, but she had to put up with it until it became sexual. And this guy would only go so far in the sexual act, and then he just quit. And I said, well, the reason you quit is because you conquered. Your goal wasn't to go all the way sexually. Your goal was to use them for your benefit to get some level of sexual gratification out of it. But you have something in you that says, okay, I'm done. I've used them now, and I can move on. Ugh, and so, and, and so to, for him to say it's not it's – it's an attention addiction, I go, well, then – 
that doesn't make sense because it's all females and you are in in in, in essence it's there's a sexual bantering that goes along there's a sexual energy that goes around it for you and he has to own that part is it always sexual or always i guess what was eventually his going so to- i know i still got I still got it. No, I still got it. Oh, yeah? Why do you need to know you still got it? You got a wife. Of course you got it. You've got something. But why do you need it from them? There's something in him sexually that's because it's it's tied to his ego that needs to feel that he's good enough, that he's attractive enough, that he's appealing enough. Mm -mm, That's sexual. So it's not him just saying, okay, I just want to see if I got it. Okay, good. I got it. Now that's all I needed. Exactly. It goes further. I think it. I think it will. It led to adultery in the first case, and and, and, and be honest, this is adultery. Uh, Shirley Glass wrote a book many years ago. Some of the best research on addiction. Her her book was called "Not Just Friends," and the reason for the title is the research shows when someone says we're just friends, the emotional affair has already started, and that adultery is emotional. And so when he's putting emotional energy into other relationships. He's betraying the marital bond of that same emotional connection. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. And so for him to say it's not sexual, I disagree. That's just me. Some other therapists might see it differently, but I'm like, uh-uh. Because if you're just wanting attention, why is, it all, why is it only that gender? Go get it from other places. But it's sexual so that he can feel like he still got it. You got it. You ask your wife. She says you got it. Well, I don't need it from her. I need it from others. How many others you need it from? All these other women? Mm-mm. So it feels like a manifestation of a sexual addiction play, playing itself out or, or a love addiction where he's needing to feel loved and good enough. So he goes and pursues these women so he can get this feeling inside, which is part of a sexual, that he still got it. And that's not something. And that's insecurity. That's insecurity is where oh, it's based out of. Oh, that's insecurity, yeah. So you got to work on being more secure so you don't, Need to seek it in yeah. someone else. So in the, in the marriage for me therapy field, there is a great therapist. I don't know if he's still alive. If he is, he's probably going to be in his eight, late 80s. Uh, um, Carl Whitaker. And Whitaker did a lecture many years ago. And in the field of marriage for me therapy at that point in time, if a spouse wife was cheating on her, or if her husband was cheating, then the wife wasn't doing something. There was something wrong with the marriage, and that's why he chose to go. Well, Whitaker came along and said, that actually isn't true. And the title of his lecture was Father, Sons, and Zippers. And he and no one was going to correct him, at least publicly. He's, he was at that pinnacle. He can say it, and you ain't going to at least confront him publicly, right, unless you're at that same pinnacle. But no one ever did. He basically said, the reason men cheat is because they haven't grown up yet. They were raised by men who were still emotional little boys, and those emotional fathers raised emotional little boys. And these are emotionally little boys still trying to figure out who they are and that they're good enough. But men are secure in their masculinity and don't need to go out there and find it from others. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, yeah. And the room was very quiet because he was countering what everyone wanted to believe. And he said, I've been in this 50 years. Most of the women whose husbands cheated did nothing to deserve it. Yeah, because I think that's what women typically sometimes fall back on. What what did we do wrong? What what are we 
what was lacking that he felt he needed attention here or needed to sleep there or what did we do wrong? Can I give you a construct for it? What? America tends to be more patriarchal, run by men. Right, right, right. Do you think a man wants to blame himself for it? <laughs> Is he no going to take responsibility for that? No way. No. So he'll blame the wife. Immature person that's doing that. That immature so person is also wife. going to turn that on you. It's what you didn't give to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel loved at home, so therefore I needed to seek it outside of here. This is why sometimes in our churches we blame the girls if a boy lusts. That's what we mm-hmm. tell the girls: dress this way, dress that way. Why? Because you might cause them to lust. And I learned this from a female uh, Christian leader a long time ago. She said, since when am I responsible? Since when is how I am responsible for whether you lust? And I remember looking at her going, you're right. I could lust at a person in a bikini or not in a bikini. That's in me. That's in me. And we've made women responsibility for men lusting. And I think that's a carryover. If he's cheating, then it's her fault. Mm -hmm. But... When you got a male-dominated system, you think the men want to be blamed? And I'm not a feminist, but I'm a realist. Let's let's be honest about what it's about and take responsibility. No, you cheated because you wanted to cheat. Because you're a little boy still. You can't take responsibility. you got to blame your partner. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on from that heavy question. Which kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to fall into the next patriarchal part of the world. Talking about husbands and having husbands make the final decision. Is this something that you need to fall in line with your husband? There's an article that was written by Sheila Ray Gregory. Gregoire. Yeah, and she's talking about resolving she's conflict. Canadian. Yeah. Okay. So she's French Canadian. And she's saying, I mean, do marriages actually work better when the husband makes decisions for and, the relationship? And she says no. She says it's not true. Yes. What say you? Uh, I actually agree with her. Okay. And, and some people listening are going to turn me off right now, and that's okay. And where she, where the battle is has to do with Christian theology. She's a female Christian leader and author and writer. And she's Canadian. Uh, she was not. She was just here in Jacksonville a couple of years ago speaking at my buddy's church. Uh, they did a men women's conference, and they brought her in. And she was, I mean, they loved her. She taught, she was funny, but she gave the women a, a, a way to be, believe in themselves and to be okay sexually, a sexual being. She writes a lot about sex. Um, she just published a new book called The Great Sex Rescue. and um, But she's also taking on some of the establishment. And, and it, so the, the question comes from two forms of theology that are being debated right now in evangelical circles. One is called complementary theology. The other is called equalitarian theology. They have to do with the roles of husband and wives, men and women. Complementary is husband's the head of the home, wife is to submit. And because women, uh, uh, men are the head of the home, but they're also leaders, then women are not allowed to preach. They're not allowed to be in leadership positions on staffs, et cetera, et cetera. Equalitarian theology says, no, actually, men and women are equal before the Lord, and women can make decisions, should make decisions, and the husband should consider those. Right. And because of that, she can preach and be leaders in church, those kind of things. People try and pigeonhole me into one of them. And I refuse to be there because sometimes people go, well, you sound like a complimentary, but now you sound like you're equalitarian. And I go, I'm neither. And in their world, you have to be, you have to be one or the other. No, 
in your way of thinking, I have to be one in the other, one or the other. I live by one principle. What is best for us? What is best for us? Instead of times in my marriage for us to really do something, get something done, Luella had to take the lead. She had to. She was better skilled at it. She knew better. She understood these things better. Honey, whatever you want to do, decide. I'll support you. She made the decision. But in compromise, she can give input, but I decide. And the reality is, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I think she's right because what happens is if conflict happens, if no, if, I think she says it in the article, she says, if disagreement allows both of them to be holy, right? He gets to be the leader and she gets to submit, so now they're holy. Well, then you would want a marriage of nothing but disagreements so that she could always be submissive and he could always be the leader and then you'd have holiness, but the only way you get to that is through disagreement. So just have a marriage of conflict. And I'm like, good thought. True. Good thought. Absolutely true. And the reality is, the reality is, when you get out of that, I say it this way, when you when you start, like her article is based on more equal, equal theology. That's where it comes from. All right. Um, but here's the problem. When you make marriage a system of theology, you've cheapened it. Marriage is not a system of theology. Marriage is a divine relationship of love that images the Trinity the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the love that exists with them is to be modeled in the marital bond. All-inclusive, equalitarian. Mm-hmm. Now, is there is there an authority figure in there? Yeah, there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they don't push who's going to be, you know, you don't hear the Father thinking, well, I'm the boss to do what I tell you, son. They don't do that. Because of the love, there's deference to each other. There's just deference there. You see, we're in the battle of she has to submit and so he can make the decisions. Well, I'm not going to submit because I want to make decisions. Well, no, you're not. And now you're in competition and there's no us in that. But if us becomes the priority, then I begin to go, well, you know what? Luella is actually better in this situation. She's better at the finances and numbers and all those kind of things. Honey, you do what you want. I'll support you. I'll support you. I'm here. You decide. I don't make all the final decisions. A lot of times she makes decisions. Personally, she makes them better than me. And there have been times that I've stood up and said, nah, I think we need to do it this way. And she said, okay. But that's not complimenting or other. That's what's best for the us. us. Mm-hmm. Can we both honor how each other thinks and feel? We never disrespect it. We honor it. We consider both and we find solutions. So is there a title to put on a relationship that I mean honestly I would fall into as well because I think I fo- I follow suit with you I do believe there is that gray area of not equalitarian but not also you mm-hmm. know the father the husband answers to the father and you answer right. to the husband and you know uh, that's what your marriage vows are so I, I see many many millennials who have taken that out of their vows because our society has evolved right. it's evolved into a more egalitarian if you will relationship atmosphere and peter says we're joint heirs in christ that's equal abs- heirs i agree yeah. i definitely agree with that but i do personally i do like leaning on my spouse 
for certain things. And I like him leaning on me for certain things. Yeah. Because I think that that creates a stronger relationship that I look to you, you look to me for for different, different things. So just as in your relationship, it, it's something that maybe when your entire family had COVID, maybe Luella was making decisions for the family because she was best in that position, nurturing, taking care mm-hmm. of. And then you made decisions for other things, travel or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And if you were in that equalitarian then the two of you had to talk about what you were going to do while everyone had COVID and you had to make your decision of what was going to happen next. And somebody had to step up and make a decision. Yeah, I think that it's great whenever it's allocated equally, but for different purposes and everyone is happy with that. Yes. I also, if I can add to that, then when you both agree and disagree, but you have to have a decision, right? Then I think, and just me, because I'm kind of in that mode, this is where I, this is where I sound complimentary. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to step up and take the role, and I think that's up on the – I think that at least to the man. At some point, you got to make a decision. Sir, it's on you, but you also get all the consequences because you take – once you make a decision, you take the consequences and you're responsible for outcomes. Okay. Well, I'm responsible for making a decision right now to get out, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Relate Well with Dr. Rick. Dr. Richard Marks is a licensed professional counselor and clinical fellow with the AAMFT and an ordained minister. His education and training is exemplary. He holds a Ph.D. in counseling psychology and a master's in marriage and family therapy as well as religious education. Throughout his life, Dr. Rick has taught graduate school, managed psychiatric hospitals, held private practice, and is a U.S. Navy veteran. He has served as commissioner on the Florida Commission on Healthy Marriage, as well as started the statewide Healthy Family Initiative in Kansas under Governor Brownback. He is an author and founder of the Relate Well Relationship Skills Program. As the founder of Relate Well, Dr. Marks provides singles, premarital, and married couples the tools they need to lead a healthy, mature relationship. And we teach skills for attachment, we teach skills for bonding, we teach skills for confiding, for communication, problem solving. We'll even teach you how to regulate emotional energy so you can be angry instead of not. In addition, he trains in corporations and organizations the essentials of emotionally healthy leadership. He's been featured as a guest on numerous TV stations and radio shows in Jacksonville. Dr. Marks resides in Jacksonville with his wife, Luella, who have been married since 1984, and they have three adult children. If Dr. Marks can serve your organization, business, church, or if you're seeking help through counseling and coaching, visit drrickmarks.com or relatewell.us or call 904-724-8683. Welcome back to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. I'm your co-host, Angelia Savage, and we were just talking about some, I mean, really things that should make sense. We need to honor each other mm-hmm. by complimenting each other in a relationship and sometimes allowing you to make the decision, sometimes allowing me to make the decision, not mm-hmm. just straight across the board. It's always the man or always the woman, whichever it is. So, and you agree with that. I believe if whatever's best for us, that's the way I put it, mm-hmm. because in the in the two forms of theology that are always being argued against, it's interesting, you know, even some leaders in the Christian apologetics, you know, um, uh, 
have said that complimentary theology has been used to abuse women. It has been. I'm the head of the home. You shut up. Do what I tell you. Um, and I don't agree with that. See, I believe when it comes to decision-making in a marriage, <clears throat> I want you to think of it this way, Angelia. There are decisions that I make in my marriage that require zero input from Luella. All right? They require zero input. Let's say you and I are married. There are decisions that you make in our marriage that require zero input. You just do them. So think about it. What are decisions that we get to make in our marriage that require no input from our spouses? Well, I don't think there's any. I think you always need to consider no. your spouse. Brushing your hair, washing your face, brushing oh, your you teeth, mean, what you clothes you wear, how you... things. Well, those aren't trivial. Those are, those are things. Those are decisions. Okay. Right? Because life is about decisions. And so there are decisions that you make that belong to you. There are decisions you, that I make that belong to me. What we're really going to be talking about now are power struggles. Because what happens is power struggles are about decision making. That's what they're really about. So uh, what I eat, how much I eat, got it? All of those decisions belong to me. They, those are decisions that belong to you. Now, a power store results, when you start making a decision that's not yours to make, it belongs to your partner. And when I start making decisions that belong to you, we will be in a power struggle. In a conflict. Yeah, Example, I see that. My first year of marriage, um, I, was, I didn't start gaining weight until I started traveling heavy in 2006. So I'm in the Navy, you know, uh, young, run about seven miles a day, play. I was in shape. I've always been in good shape, though. Luella was in good shape when I met her, but I didn't realize that because she was heavy as a kid, she had emotional baggage around food. She got her act together in her late teens, early 20s through Weight Watchers, but she had emotional issues around food. So one day I'm walking through the kitchen, right? And I used to like tuna salad. You hear the word used to. All right. So this goes back. I'm walking through the kitchen and I notice there's a cans of open tuna and there's the, all the ingredients. She's making tuna salad. But I also noticed there's no mayonnaise on the counter. There is a container of yogurt. 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 Yeah. You know what <laughs> I'm thinking. And I, and I just said, <laughs> I said, you aren't putting yogurt in tuna salad, are you? She says, just let me make it. I will. Yeah. You can make it. I said, but yogurt doesn't belong in tuna salad. (laughs) Mayonnaise goes in there. And she said, you've been eating it that way for a week. I go, it stops today. No, you had been eating it and you didn't know. I love it. I love it. It gets worse. (laughs) I was going to school. She made that decision for you. Exactly right. She, uh, she, uh, I came home from night. I was active duty, but went to school at night. Came home one night from class. Good looking rice dish on the, on the table, right? Rice, crumbles of ground beef, that kind of stuff. Put my fir- took my first bite, spit it out immediately, and Are I looked around. Went in there too? No, <laughs> she put liver in there. What? I thought it was ground beef. Oh, and gracious. I and I spit it out. And I go, that's liver. She says, yeah, I know. I go, oh. I don't eat liver. She goes, I know. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, I go, no. trust me on these things. <laughs> now we're in a what? A power struggle. Oh my gosh! And when you're in a power struggle, you're going to win. So what she mm-hmm. would say is, you want me fixing lunch? Nope. I'll eat on the forest stall. I'll eat in the chow hall. But you're not feeding me anymore. Oh, no. So then because, you shut down. No, I just didn't shut down. I said, fine. Since you can't respect my decisions, you will not decide for me at all. I'll decide for myself away from you. So and you I removed went yourself from that. Yeah, because power struggles happen mm. when you make a decision that's not yours to make. We go to the mall, right? 
And I'll be going, we'll be walking like Victoria's Secret. I go, hey, you want to go in there? She was like, no. I go, why not? That's a store for men. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I can't control that because she has to feel good about what she wears. I've never told her how to cut her hair, what to wear. I've never controlled any of it. I've told her what I like and don't like. But in the end, those are her decisions. Whenever you start making decisions that's not yours to make, you're going to be in a power struggle. But here's the other piece of it. There are decisions in your marriage that don't belong to either of the partners. Like what? Those decisions belong to us. Okay. Us decisions are what? Parenting, spending of money, where you move, house you buy. And when one person makes a decision that belongs to the marriage or it belongs to your partner, you will be in a power struggle. I know a Christian guy who basically said, I'll buy what I want. It's my money. He's divorced today. When I'm about an 85. That's his money, I'm sure. Yeah, he He's does. A- <laughs> bought an $85,000. has his money. Yeah, bought an $85,000 truck without her input. Mm. And his mind was, I'm the head of the home. I make the money. She should submit. And he's divorced because of it. Because he's not respecting that decision doesn't belong to you. It belonged to the marriage. The marriage needed to communicate and talk it out and make a decision together. And this is this this is what I think Sheila's trying to point out here without saying it this way. There are decisions that you make, they're decisions your partner makes, but they're decisions that belong to the marriage. They belong to the marriage. And when you make a decision that's not yours or belongs to the marriage, you will be in a power struggle. Guaranteed. You stay out of power struggles by respecting where decisions lie. And that's why I go, I'm about what's best for us. Some decisions are mine to make. I don't make those for Luella because there's, those are her decisions. I respect her decisions. I respect mine. But I also respect that those are decisions that belong to her and I. They belong to the marriage. And the marriage must communicate about them and find a solution for them. And then you'll, be out of, you'll stay out of power struggle. And I can prove this because some people say, well, I'm the head of the home. And Angelia, my wife, you're not. So you submit. Do what I say. The problem with that is this marriage is to model Christ in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Then I always ask this question. Then if I have the right to use my position as the head of the home and you just submit and do what I tell you, even if you don't want to, because you're supposed to submit, I always say, then show me where the heavenly husband forces his bride, the church, to do something she doesn't want to do. He'll let you choose to spend eternity in hell before he makes you love him. That's how much he wouldn't control you. I decide, you decide, Angelia, and we decide. And when you understand where this decision lies, we'll stay out of our power struggle and we'll always protect us. Wow, that's great. Okay, we're going to take a break right now, and then we're going to come back, talk about that for another minute or two, and then we're going to talk about compassion and having compassion for your spouse. All right, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Relate Well with Dr. Rick. To have and to hold from this day forward. Your wedding day was the biggest commitment of your life. Relationships change over time. Needs go unmet. Communication breaks down. And half of all marriages end in divorce. If till death do us part has become a challenge, then it's time to reconcile and reconnect. In his one to three day marriage intensives, Dr. Rick Marks coaches couples in distress back to their love and hope for a future together. 
Dr. Rick's intensives is not traditional therapy. Marriage intensives give couples the skills for communication, problem solving, emotional regulation, as well as the skills for healthy bonding and much more. Intensives empower couples to create the marriage they desire with Dr. Rick's Relate Well principles and tools, keeping couples out of the divorce graveyard. I realized many years ago with the team that I work with that if we can teach people those skills for bonding and, and reattachment and communication and, and problem solving and, and emotional regulation and much more, it gives you the hope again, which can lead to the goodness and the love and the feelings and the intimacy so that you win your marriage wins and your kids win. 87% of the couples who participated in Dr. Rick's marriage intensives reconnected their love for each other and remained married. If you want to take the opportunity, you have the will to do it, you want to do it, and you want to save it, we'll show you how. Intensives are cheaper than a divorce and much more meaningful. Save your marriage, reconnect your love, save a generation, and secure your future. For more information, visit DrRickMarks.com or call 904-724-8683. Welcome back to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. I'm your co-host, Angelia Savage, and we just signed off talking about some issues that I think we all encounter in relationships and why it happens. And it happens because it's a power struggle is what you're saying. Power Mm -hmm. is what we're struggling for. So if there's an issue... It's a power struggle because I made a decision or you made a decision on your own and it possibly overstepped a boundary where we needed to make a decision together. Yes. Or or I made a decision that was yours to make. Ooh. Yeah, there'd be a power struggle over that one. Very much so. <laughs> if I tell you how you're supposed to cut your hair and how you're supposed to wear your makeup, that's overstepping that's your hair. You have to do that. That's your body. I can tell you what I like and don't like, but some men control it. That isn't that isn't your decision to make. That belongs to that person, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And you've always got to put us first. You were talking about a always. graph that you have in Relate Well yeah. in the program, and, and there's a list of things that you make decisions together. Mm-hmm. There's a list of things you make on your own, a list of things he makes on his own. And then there's a little bit of an overlap there. Yes. Where you need to check with us. Get input. Even though it's your own. So get input is what you're saying. Get input. Sometimes my decisions do impact us, but it's still my decision. So in those cases, that's you just get input from us and then you communicate well to solve that issue if it becomes a problem. So like what? Say our kid is going to, our children are going to camp. I'm going to go ahead and make the decision. I want him to go to Christian camp in you know Naples. Mm-hmm. And um, I went ahead and made the decision, Did but I really needed to check with you as well to get your input. Is that an example, a fair example? In my home, that would be Luella's decision to make. Okay, but. I, didn't think, I wouldn't think she would need my input to that because I would normally disagree with her. Okay, but okay. maybe in another relationship, the uh, husband would want to have the input. If, I wanted, yeah. I wanted the kids to go to Catholic camp. I wanted the kids to go. That's where they have to negotiate and communicate to make a decision that works for the relationship. Very much so. Okay, you know, and that's where you, that's where, you, that's where you come down to talk it out, listen to each other, and see, find, finding a solution, finding a solution, and it relate well. We actually give you the worksheets and all the skills to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is 68% of problems in a marriage, based on Gottman's research, 
cannot be solved. So most problems in a marriage are actually unsolvable. What you do, though, what masterful couples do is they just negotiate around unsolvable problems. They don't let those destroy the us. Okay. But sometimes a decision has to be made, you know. So you and communicate and it, yeah. input is yeah. important. I learned, I learned from my mentor a long time ago, Luella is the manager of the home. Don't step into her domain. Well, you kind, and of, I was like, you kind of did with the tuna episode. Well, so. that was my domain because I had to eat it. <laughs> yeah. And you chose not to. So I was like, no but way. But you had been tuna. eating it for weeks. <laughs> Wait, a week because like, it stopped. That's hilarious. Oh, oh my God, I'm go Luella. That's great. I actually kind of want to make that now just to see if I can tell the difference. <laughs> tuna I, with you know, thinking, thinking back, on it, I thought it was weird taste. I didn't care for it, but I thought, well, maybe it's just me. You were just hungry. You were you just know. eating, eating whatever. Well, now I want to talk about something that's really important to married couples as well. And we're talking on this segment about compassion and why compassion is really one of the most important qualities in a very healthy marriage. And why do you really need to have compassion for your spouse? Is it for yourself, for your spouse, for the relationship? What is it? You can't have compassion for others till you have self-compassion. So I like how you just kind of threw that out there. Self-compassion is essential to have compassion for others. You know, we talk about empathy a lot. We talk about compassion. Uh, We need to talk about the difference between those. Um, Empathy is where you can step into another person's shoes and imagine and feel what they would feel, but you've not not gone through what they've gone through. You know what I mean? Um, But... um, so you can I, imagine how I they feel. I can imagine it. I can go help me understand it, and I can do these skills. And I go, are you saying that when that happened, you felt betrayed? Yes. Well, I know what betrayal feels like. I mean, I feel betrayed in your situation, but I know what betrayal feels like, right? So empathy is I can identify with what you're feeling because I've experienced it before, right? Um, and empathy is essential. Compassion is different than empathy because in empathy – what I'm really saying is I get how it is for you and I care, basically. That's all it says. Compassion comes from a word that means uh, uh, um, to, I forget, oh gosh, my, my brain's now. Uh, my brain's, I forget, my brain's fried. I don't know, it just left my mind. Uh, it'll come back. Anyways, the difference with compassion and empathy is this. Empathy says, I hear you and I care, period. Compassion says, I hear you and I care, what can I do? But it also what can says I you do? feel it, right? You do feel it, but you still you yeah. still feel empathy on some level. I can feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. But compassion is I am feeling it to the point of action. Of helping. Ah, it, compassion helping. means to suffer with. Okay. To suffer with. Okay. And empathy just means I can identify how you, I can feel how you feel. But I may not be doing it with you. Compassion motivates to action. Okay, so a friend is hurting, she's crying, she, I don't know, her her husband just left her, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I can say to her, I, I, I feel what you're feeling, I have empathy for you. Yeah, I, I, guess, I, I can cry with her, I, I can, can say, cry. I can say, Angelique, I can see you're really feeling rejected and abandoned right now. And you go, yes, Rick, I am, I am. Okay, well, listen, um, I, I care, listen, I do need to go, though. Compassion says, I can see you're really struggling and hurting, you feel rejected and abandoned, yeah. I'm going to sit here with you. What what can I do? Can I get you something to eat? So compassion is more about being. It's about being, there. but it's about doing. Being and it doing. It gets involved. 
Okay. It, it, it moves to action. Okay. That's what's different about compassion. It okay. moves people to action, which is interesting because the most often repeated phrase used about Jesus in the New Testament was the phrase around compassion. He saw the crowd and had compassion on the crowd. When he had compassion, he fed them. When he had compassion, he did something. Compassion sounds like this. Father, would you forgive them? Action. They don't know what they're doing. And this is a man who's on a cross being murdered, and he's saying that over all the people who are killing him. His compassion for us motivated him to do something. Ask his father to forgive us. Action. Empathy may not move you to action, but compassion does. You see, it's one thing to empathize with you, but to have compassion for you, I'm going to step into that and suffer with you and do something. And therein lies the, therein lies the, the great benefit of compassion is when you have compassion for someone, you'll do something. And you have to have this in order to have a healthy relationship. It's essential for a healthy relationship. Yeah. Now, in the four protectors, we talked about empathy. Uh, the four protectors in Relate Well, you know, are goodwill, respect, humility, and empathy. Empathy sends the message, I care. All right. Um, and, and I think that's important in, in relating well. Some people may not want you to act, to act you see. They but in marriage, you. they want you to li- listen, listen and care. Just listen. Okay. But I don't want you to do anything. I think that's still true in marriage. But I do believe compassion is far greater because it will motivate me to do something. Even, even, even if I recognize what I've been doing is hurting you, and I've been hurting you a lot and didn't know I was hurting you, and then I realized I was hurting you, and that moved me to compassion about, I, I've been making you feel betrayed all this time, Angelia. Well, I did never knew. Now I have compassion for you because the pain I caused you, and that compassion for you becomes a motivator to change it. Why? Because I care. So it's movement and movement towards making it better. It's mm-hmm. action to find a solution to help. It moves you to do something it, to, it's, to come alongside, bear bear a burden with them, uh, comfort them. It could be any one of those 59, one of those to encourage them, support them, cry with them, laugh with them. Uh, those one another verses in the, in the New Testament, 59 of them. Compassion motivates you to do that. Uh, and so I think compassion is powerful because we lack it. We lack it today in our country. Uh, particularly, you know, we think giving money to an organization, I feel good about myself because I donated money to that inner city mission. But I, I remember talking to a a bunch of uh, homeless people many years ago, and they said, you know, we appreciate that you all, every Thanksgiving, bring food down here to us. But I don't know what it is. I think you all do that more for you than you do us. And I said, why is that? They go, well, we're here 364 days a year. So the fact you do it one day out of the year, we're grateful for and appreciate. But let's be honest, that's more about you feeling good for you. Because there's 364 days, we're still out here, and yeah. you don't even think of us. Yeah, that's true. And I went, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Compassion motivates to action, to do something, you see. And I think therein lies the power of compassion. It will, it's willing to come alongside and do the one another's, to encourage, to support, to cry with someone, to laugh with someone. Uh, sometimes just to, just to hold them and say, I'm here and I care. Sometimes compassion doesn't have to say anything. It's just, just, I'm here. 
I'm just at the power of presence, you know? I mean, that's so true. Just, I mean, somebody to be there while you're hurting. Yeah. That's so important. And that's a compassionate act to just be there for someone Mm -hmm. while they're hurting. And you don't have to have something to say. People feel like they always have to say something. I sometimes... Saying nothing is best just says, you know, I'm here. I love you. I care. And I'm going to be here for you. And you just sit there, sit there, sit there and let, let it be. You know, just the power of presence, the power of not walking life alone. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, mm-hmm. is not feeling alone, feeling that somebody has enough compassion to just be there with you. And that so and so that's powerful. why empathy and compassion are so important is so that we always send the message, you're not alone in your hurt. You're not alone in your struggle. You're not alone in this journey. I care, and I'm here. And it goes for everything, not so much pain, right? It could be for other things, too. Compassion for other, you know, work, anger, distress. It could be for anything. It's not necessarily, you Mm -hmm. know, tears, but it could be anger, you, well, you, you, yeah. you have compassion for what you went through today and whatever. Yeah, you can go, wow. You're so, feeling. You know, you, you hit that person, kiddo, because when they said that you felt betrayed. Yes. I can have compassion. That doesn't mean I still won't discipline the hitting, right? You can parent with intimacy. You can parent with compassion. You can be a compassionate leader. One of the things my brother and I do is we champion what we call compassionate leadership. Leading with empathy, leading with compassion for those that you lead. You see, have a heart of empathy and have a heart of compassion for your people. And you can you can fire someone with compassion and empathy. You can. You see, or you can do it without it. Real simple. Why? Because people are people and they're still deserving. Uh, they're still deserving to be treated as humans with dignity. And so, I, you know, my brother and I, we champion compassionate leadership. That's what we talk about, emotional wellness and leadership. Why? So you can be a compassionate leader. And by the way, compassionate leaders will fire you. But they also <laughs> recognize that you did what it took to be fired. Most people don't get fired. They fired themselves. They fire themselves. Yeah. They fire themselves. Let's yeah. be honest. You're just getting yeah. the consequences of what you did. No different than fire, driving 55 and a 35. You got a ticket. It's the same thing. It's the same principle of life. So in a happy marriage, do you need to have both? Empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. or do you need to lean more towards compassion? I think it would depend on the situation. Okay. There are times that Luella needed to know that I cared, but she didn't want me to do anything. She just wanted to know that I cared, empathy. But there are times that she needed me compassion. She's know, does this bother you? Well, yeah. What are you going to do about it? That's compassion. See, and I would think that men would need more empathy. From their spouse, yeah. and women would need more compassion. We want people to—I mean, or at least I—I I won't speak for all women, but I, I like solutions to problems. I want someone to make movement to let me see your actions. That you love me, you respect me, you are there for me. You will make changes for me. You will stand there. You won't let me leave. You—I need actions as opposed to. Just empathizing with me. Oh, I know. It must be tough what you went through today at work. It must be tough what you're going through. It's too bad. I feel, I can feel your pain. Yeah. Because it's almost like words versus actions. And I like to see actions and some people, as a female. 
Some people don't want you to do anything. They just want you to listen and care, empathy. See, is that men? I think men, I, men don't want you to do anything. Men just want... I, I know some women who don't either. I you know, never thought about it from a gender perspective. So you're kind of bringing me to a different world. Mm-hmm. And and, and um, I don't really have an answer for that because you just kind of took me to a different place. I've, so I never thought of it that way. So maybe it just depends. You know? Maybe it's not gender yeah. specific. Maybe it just depends but, on... But it could be. You you, you, you know, it feels, it feels right you know, on, based on what I learned. <laughs> in and this know. moment. Yeah, it feels right in the moment. You're just you know? agreeing. You don't want a power struggle here. No. <laughs> <laughs> here we go in our well, argument. No. You know, most men don't want... I mean, that's why men want to fix something, right? Mm-hmm. But they want to fix it without having the compassion. Mm. What people, what, what, what people, our wives are wanting is, does it matter to you this happened to me? Well, of course it matters, but you should have done this. Well, now we're, get, we're in trouble because we're offering a solution that they don't want, mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. And so it's about coming alongside and mourning with those that mourn. Really, is, 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 when, you, when someone's mourning, just mourn with them. Yeah, that's just, compassion. It's practice empathy and compassion. Very, very much and so. And then you're in the safe zone. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, if you'd like to learn to lead a life through all four protectors and all of your relationships and learn how to develop the tools that create us in your marriage, us in your family, or us in the workplace, then register for the online Relate Well Core program. You can register for Relate Well as singles or couples. Just realize, just register rather online today at RelateWell.us. If you're looking for relationship counseling or life coaching from Dr. Rick himself, then call 904-724-8683. That's 904-724-8683. Well, this has been another informative show from Dr. Rick Marks to help you live your best life. And remember, until next week, relate well to live well. We want to invite you to visit relatewell.us. Whether you're single or a couple, come learn what a healthy relationship looks like and then put it into practice. For relationship counseling, contact Dr. Rick at relatewell.us.